So I had a really great time in Boston. <clears throat> the retreat was uh, intense, though, because um, they have the schedule set from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. <clears throat> and I guess pretty tough when you're 70. <laughs> uh, so by the third day, I was cheating. I just confess. I was sending somebody to sit for me for, the, for my 6 a.m. And uh, I slept through breakfast and, and came at 9. Then by the fifth day, I just kind of re stopped requiring that anybody attend. You know, there's a, um, nobody can determine for you what, what right effort is for you. That's the thing. When he talks about the enlightenment fact of investigation, he's talking about investigating your own experience. And the problem with setting up programs or retreat centers or any of that is that we put everybody on a time schedule so that we can operate, so that we can function. But it may not be people's time schedules. We put everybody on a time schedule, but some people can't do 12 or 14 hours. We put everybody on a time schedule, and we make something that is not, that is absolutely not mechanical, mechanical. And so we practice and we study for 50 years and we never attain. Because we are reaching for something that is not uh, within the confines of the laws of the phenomenal world and we try to put it here and we try to control it and make it be what what we think it needs to be the way we try to control everything in this world but this Dharma that he's offering is not a teaching that's of this world it's one that supersedes the world otherwise we can just stay in the world and we don't have to study Dharma and we don't have to practice but if we are doing this we're doing it for a way because we see the necessity for an escape uh, from the way, the structure of appearances uh, of this world. And we have put those together um, by uh, our, um, the, our internal basis, uh, our sense gates, making contact with the external world. So that's something out there. We form a, an opinion about what it is from whatever intellect we already have, from whatever experiences we already have. Most of them are not good ones, but we still formulate what, uh, what is in front of us and how we should view it and understand it according to our, our thoughts, according to that are based on faulty perceptions because we only see a snapshot of things here and there and then we weave a scenario with our with our mind and then that becomes our reality and most of what we weave together causes us a lot of dukkha so the the buddha just simply says abandon that and it's very difficult for us to abandon and reach for or be open to what could come in the next moment that uh, could not, may not have anything to do with what we thought should come in the next moment or how it should come or who it should come through. And, but because we do order our world in this way um, and then become fixed and attached to our idea that this is how it has to be, um, then we uh, incur a lot of, of unhappiness in our life. And so I thought I'd talk today about um, what true happiness is as a state of mind.
And I normally talk about concentration as a practice, but today I'm going to talk about metta or goodwill as a practice because it is a great antidote for, um, uh, for unhappiness. It's a great antidote for um, developing an appreciation for the unknown. It's a great antidote for being steadfast, immovable, and not obstructed when external obstructions arise in our life. And it doesn't mean that we always have it at that moment, like I said, here comes an obstruction and I can handle it. But what it does is that, it, you know how they have this, uh, uh, this little, uh, you blow it up and I don't know, I'm not so sure it's a good thing, it's a toy for children, but they punch it. You know, it, it gets their aggression off and you know, and it flops down and it pops back up and they punch it and it flops down and they and it pops back up. So so it's something like that. It's like uh there may be in the beginning the initial shock of this is not um the way I want it to be or going the way I want it to be or or what I agree with or whatever. And one can hold that opinion and still don't have to be um, uh, moved to a place of, of suffering with it. They can just recognize that it's not. And, uh, but, it is, but it is what it is. You know? and, uh, and the Buddha says this is the difference in reaching for the world to make you happy or something or somebody or some situation out here versus finding uh, the uh, happiness that is a factor of enlightenment that's not dependent upon anything external. It's a state of mind, however, that must be cultivated through uh, mental discipline. And because it's not dependent on, on any external happening, you know, any external thing, that kind of happiness doesn't come and go. Sometimes the feeling may not be pleasant. It doesn't mean that suddenly, you know how some people, um, um, it's, it's, it's decidedly, you know, like everything is like happy, happy, happy with them, you know. Um, and yet, it's almost like a bypass. Just don't want to acknowledge anything Listen, right, there's a, there's a reason and an explanation for everything. And I don't mean in that way. I don't mean like in a fairy tale kind of way, in a fairy land kind of way. I mean, you can look and say, this is, that's Duca right there, you know. I mean, you can know that it is, and yet um, you don't have to get all involved in it. You don't have to get all engaged in it. That's where the practice comes in. That's where the, the challenge comes in. You know, because we either default and like, like I just don't want to say la 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 la. I'm not hearing that, or we see it and we fall prey to the feeling, and and our feelings shift in line with what's happening outside. Um, so he said you can see it and you can understand that that this is not how I wanted to be. He said yet and still the mind that has been uh, cultivated through mental discipline is not dependent on that external object um, for 
its sense of, of, of uh, uh, centeredness, but he also calls it PT. PT uh, is a kind of happiness um, that uh, actually affects the transitory emotions. So the emotion's going to come and go, but, but that underlying happiness is always there. And that's the difference in faking it and making it. That's the difference between being able to stand uh, and being completely uh, overthrown when uh, things aren't working the way we want to work. I can tell you of a truth. If, uh, this is just a true statement, if I had not um, cultivated some level of this, there's no way that I could still be here at Hartwood because every day something comes up, whether it's a raccoon in the house, whether it's the plumbing breaks down, whether there's a leak in the roof, whether there's somebody talking about me, whether somebody, you know, I'm, you know it's something all the time. But this is the nature of samsara. And if we have not, um, because through some fortunate uh, rebirth, we have not had to deal with that, then we find it very difficult to deal with. Um, I, uh, uh, a friend of mine said to me, well, you know, she said, I'm Jewish. You know, we don't fix things. If they're broken, we throw them out and we get another. Well, I wasn't Jewish, so when things broke, I had to fix them. You know, and so it's not a problem for me, you know. Um, but, but it can be if that hasn't been um, your experience. And so we're living in a time right now when a lot of people are having experiences that are not um, suitable to their background. You know, right now I'm sitting right here and I'm dealing with my, uh, my craving because I sure like those socks right there. It's not many things that we get to have, you know, <laughs> as a monk. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm looking at those beautiful wine-colored socks. <laughs> so Scylla's always giving me socks, you know. And now I'm, I'm not saying I want those socks. I'm just saying I'm admiring the, I'm admiring the socks. And so it can be just like that. You see, you could just deal with that and just get on back, get on back to your business. So it doesn't mean you can't desire something or you can't want something. You just can't be desired, um, be, be uh, attached to the desiring or attached to the wanting. You see what I mean? Because if you leave it for 30 seconds, then your mind is off on that. Uh, and, and your mind will just go to the next thing, to the next thing, the next thing. And if something is good, you know, then it has a tendency to set you up for something else good. If something's bad or, or, you know, or troublesome, it has a tendency to set up the mind for you know, seeing the, uh, the negative side of everything instead of seeing how to make the best of, of everything. And that's the difference in being uh, successful in the spiritual life. Uh, it's clear to us that some people can see the worst in everything and call that success. Uh, we see that playing out on the national stage. But I tell you, uh, it does not bring you any 
happiness. <clears throat> There's uh, I haven't found this particular uh, uh, pithy saying of the Buddhas, but I took it from a trustworthy site, the Dalai Lama site, I guess it's trustworthy. And it said the Buddha was asked, what have you gained from meditation? Uh, and he replied, nothing at all. However, let me tell you what I have lost. I have lost anger. I've lost depression. I've lost anxiety. I've lost insecurity. I've lost fear of old age. And I've lost fear of death. So it does sound like something the Buddha would say. And I'll, uh, I'll keep that one. You know, they have like uh, fake quotes all over the internet. Buddha said this and Buddha said that. But that sounds like something that he would say. If not whoever said this, it, uh, uh, I really appreciate. Because it, it tells us how to look and how to think about things. The mind is always grasping after, grasping after something. But the whole uh, process of the way leading upward is letting go, letting go. And it's the only joy that we have. It's the joy. We have to find the joy in the letting go. It's the joy. So I wanted to read a little bit from the Metta Sutta. And this is a kind of convoluted Sutta, and I'm going to try to skip some of it and get to the heart of the matter. But there were a bunch of the Buddha's um, followers, and they got up to go out for alms rounds uh, early in the morning and said, it's too early to go. Uh, so why don't we go to the park of the wanderers of other sects? And so they did. They went to the park where other wanderers were gathered, uh, uh, salmoners. And when they, upon their arrival, they exchanged courteous greetings with the wanderers of other sects. And an exchange of friendly greetings and, and courtesies ensued, and after that, they sat to one side. And while they were sitting there, the wanderers of the other sects said to them, Friends, Godama, the contemplative, teaches the Dharma to his disciples in this way. Come, monks, abandoning the five hindrances, the corruptions of awareness that weaken our discernment, Keep pervading the first direction with an awareness imbued with goodwill or loving kindness. Likewise, the second direction, and likewise, the third direction, and likewise, the fourth direction. Thus, above, below, and all around, everywhere in its entirety, keep pervading the all-encompassing cosmos with an awareness imbued with goodwill, with loving kindness, abundant, enlarged, immeasurable, without hostility, without ill will. 
And when he said the first direction, of course, in the eastern countries, that was like speaking, like f facing the east or looking towards the east. So imbuing the east as far as you can, just sending forth loving kindness to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south and to the north. I won't use hand signals. Northeast, the northwest, the southeast, and the southwest. <clears throat> he said, now, friends, we too teach our disciples in this way. Come, friends, abandon the five hindrances, the corruptions of awareness that weaken our discernment, that weaken our capacity for understanding, that weaken um, our capacity to um, not be overcome by um, the displeasures or the vicissitudes of life. And he said, so friend, what's the difference then in what your teacher teaches and what our teacher teaches? What distinction what distinguishing factor is there here between Gautama the contemplative and us when comparing Dharma teachings with Dharma teachings, when comparing instruction with instruction? And the monks neither delighted in the words of the wanderers uh, of other sects, nor did they reject them. Without delighting or rejecting, they got up from their seats and left, thinking, we will learn the meaning of these words in the presence of the Blessed Ones. It means like, I don't know, we, we need to go and ask the Buddha. You know, I, they did not have an answer. And so they told the Buddha later that day what had happened. And he said, monks, when wanderers of other sects speak in that way, they should be addressed in this way. But how, friends, is awareness through goodwill developed? What is its destination? What is its excellence? What is its fruit? What is its consummation? Being asked, in this way, the wanderers of other sects will be unable to respond, and on top of that, will fall into vexation. Why is that? Because it lies beyond their range. Monks, I don't see anyone in this cosmos with its devas, mars, and brahmins in this generation, with its contemplatives and brahmins, its royalty and common folk, who would satisfy the mind with their answers to these questions, aside from a tathagatha, a disciple of a tathagatha or one who has heard it from them. And so he said, how is awareness and release attained through loving kindness being developed? What is its destination? What is its excellence? What is its fruit? And what is its consummation? And you know, he's asking this question because we say things, but when it comes time to live on, we have we struggle. We have a lot of difficulty with it. And this is now I'm speaking, I'm speaking to myself. This, this is what brings the joy in the Dharma that when even we try to, to 
uh, exercise or put into uh, place some uh, method, some uh, training guidelines, some way of, of turning upright what is overturned, and we can't seem to get better or do better or you're know, like, we're still stuck in, like I used to say all the time, I'm stuck in, in Romans. What I would do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do, you know? And it's true, like the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak, that kind of thing. But he said, when we follow it through, break it down, break it down. More than just a pithy saying, more than just a... Um, uh, something that sounds good, that we can like, uh-huh, that's right, I agree. More than just something that we mentally assent to, that we verbally agree to. But when it's broken down into a way that we can understand every factor that's necessary, it's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about developing mindfulness as a factor for awakening. But to say that mindfulness is all we need, I mean, we can be mindful of doing wrong. We can be mindful of, you know, to, it's not all that we need. Um, it's like saying uh, a cake, maybe the gr the biggest ingredient, and I don't know because I don't, don't bake that much, but I, I guess it's between flour and sugar, but just say flour, you know, and so, of flour is an ingredient of cake, but flour is not cake. And in the same way, uh, mindfulness is a, an ingredient, you know, of the Dharma and its practice and its discipline, but it is not the Dharma and its practice and its discipline. So we can be pressing into something, pressing because it's the buzzword, because they say it'll take away your suffering, you know, um, and, and here's a method to do it, and all you got to do is focus on that, and, you know, and, and everything is going to be okay. But he said, you won't have a cake with just flour. And he starts talking about the other ingredients that are necessary. And we don't all like the same kind of cake. I like chocolate cake. Somebody else likes vanilla. Somebody doesn't even like cake. They like pie. So there has to be many different methods to meet all of our minds. And when we're working at something, really working, I don't mean playing, but I mean really working at something, and yet it is not working for us then we have to look to see which ingredient I am missing. And, and we have to add that ingredient. You could say we might have to focus on that ingredient. We could have too much of one thing and not enough of another so that the, that the thing that we have too much of, although it's a good thing, too much makes it not beneficial, makes it not useful. Too much can make it a hindrance to us. And so that's why he talks about the enlightenment factor uh, uh, and, and, uh, and the requirement that we are constantly reflecting on our, um, on our experience and what is happening when we apply the things that we know to apply. You know, sometimes we're looking when, when we think we have not applied, you know, in a practice 
if or someone else has said to us, you're not practicing. You know, so we look at maybe where we see a deficiency. But he tells us we have to also look at what we have applied. Maybe we have done it, and maybe we have done it uh, uh, beyond its reasonable capacity because the other ingredients, we're too slack, we're lacking in the other ingredients. And so we have to add those, and like, like I was uh, shopping for the retreat, you know, and, and you know, the recipes I looked at are for four people, you know, and I've got to bulk them up, you know, for 30-some for people. And so um, you got to know how to do the math to, to, uh, and, and to see if you only have enough ingredients there, you know, to be margin, marginally successful, not to be an overcomer. But you got enough of this ingredient to be an overcomer. You know, and so you have to evaluate, look and see how to adjust and how to, how to balance, how to be like on that, uh, what do you call the thing, seesaw, and how to be just like this. This is all part of this. I mean, um, and you have to find, arouse some uh, joy in this because this is the game. This is what we're doing. You know, if you don't like this, then that's okay. There's a place somebody can like just like uh, can embrace being uh, totally free based on the completed work of someone else. If that's what works for you right now, then do that and do that to its end until that no longer is enough for you, until you see something else, until you get to, I used to have sweatshirts, this one's got paint on it, but that, I had one that said, I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. And so, I, um, I, didn't, I, I tried hard, but not really hard, because uh, I have had this notion of I'm okay because of not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. But there came a day when that was not sufficient for me. Because I started thinking, I have children. And I want my children to do better than me. I don't expect that they're still groveling and whining and wanting a nipple when they're 57. I, you know, I'm looking at this and I said, if this, if there's enough common sense for this, if there's enough ordinary wisdom for this, then how much more concerning spiritual matters then? Then I need to grow up. But I don't know how. I don't know. I, I really don't know what that is. Because every grown up I know acts like a child. Stomp, can't, when they don't get their way, you know. Uh, I said, so I don't know. I don't know where, where to find this. That was my, I said, now, if I can come, I can realize this. Then I started getting angry with the, you know, leaders of the church. So I get angry with the pastors. I was angry like, a, if I can come up with this conclusion, then y'all must already know. And my anger uh, 
could not be quieted. I needed an answer for how I could live, how I could come up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of the one I so admired. How do I get to be like that? I don't want to be pulling on the hem of his rope. How do I get to stand tall like that? And I had to undergo uh, a journey. And nobody could go for me and just tell me, oh, hang, hang tough. I'll tell you what it's all about, Paniwadi. Well, my name wasn't Paniwadi then. But, you know, nobody else can do it for us. But it was my pleasure to embark on this journey. I'm like, what you mean? I can't like, like just pray and cl click my heels three times and I'm gonna get things, because it used to happen all the time. I was convinced beyond a doubt. You know, and that's just like when the baby cries and the mama runs with the bottle, but at some point we wanna, we recognize that that there is more in us than that. So there are times when certain nutriment is useful for us, certain nutriment is good for us, but to be like the one that we admire takes doing what he had to do to awaken. That's when it gets to be not so much fun. No. Like, am I having fun yet? I asked that question for years. Am I having fun yet? But now, I am. I am because what comes with that is also the confidence in knowing that there's nothing out here, and there's no one out here that can overcome me unless I lay down, unless I give up. And so when I'm feeling um, challenged, by the practice, when I'm feeling challenged in my cultivation. Although there is a superficial dislike of it, on another level, a greater level, there is a great joy because it's taking me where I want to go. And if you don't want to go there, that's a different thing. But if you want to go there, <laughs> For sure, it'll take you there. It'll leave you without excuse. It will leave you with, you know, I mean, you go so far and you can't even turn around and, and go back and say, like, this is far enough because then you know too much. You can't unknow what you know. And it'd be no way to turn around and go in the other direction. And so he wasn't saying that the disciples of other sects did not have the truth. He was just simply saying that it had not been broken down in a way 
that they could apprehend it. And he broke it down, broke it down, broke it down, broke it down. He said, if one can through insight remain percipient of the loath loathsomeness in the presence of what is not loathsome. That's a tongue twister. In other words, if you can see the beautiful in the ugly, or if you can see the ugly in the beautiful, if you can see both the beauty and the not beautiful through developing concentration, then develop concentration. If you can see that through um, Vipassana insight, then develop Vipassana. He said, but I'm going to give you an easy way. It doesn't seem easy. But he said, develop loving kindness. Just the offering continually of goodwill. Let the words, the sweet words of, of kindness be continually rolling from your lips. When a thought arises that has its root in ill will and hostility, he said, drown it in loving kindness. He said, and if you begin to train the mind in that way, you will develop uh, an analysis of qualities as a factor for waking up. He said, and that means that you would be investigating at every moment, where is this thought leading? What's the end game of this thought? And when you could see that the end game wasn't taking you where you wanted to go, you could, uh, you could just drop it because it's not taking you, it's not giving you what you want. The willingness to drop it, the desire to drop it. And if you couldn't drop it five seconds ago, you've had five seconds more. So it doesn't matter if you were successful at the first try. You got the second try, the third try, the fourth try, the fifth try, and not one try a day. It's one try a minute, not one try a minute, one try a second. We determine how long, how long we determine. It's not given to another. We alone determine how long. He said, when We do that in time, that goodwill that will overflow. And it will produce a kind of compassion that really is 
uh, genuine and that really, really does care about the other person, that really recognizes when a person is struggling, that really recognizes when one uh, is doing the best they can, that really recognizes if one doesn't have the capacity to do what you want them to do, that will recognize when one just needs more encouragement, will recognize, will recognize the enlightenment factor of investigation causes us to recognize. We don't even have to try. The recognition will be there. It'll just hit you in the face. The recognition will be there. And then the only thing you can do is acknowledge it or resist it. And that's what we do all the time. Whenever goodwill is not flowing, if we have any kind of training, then we're acknowledging or we are resisting. He said, and when that compassion reaches the fullness, like a cup overflowing, it will automatically spill over into appreciative joy, joy in the successes of others. You know, appreciation for others, gratitude. Gratitude for whatever I have, gratitude for what's coming that out. I don't know what's coming yet. Gratitude for what I'm looking for because at least I have the vision to look for it, whether it ever arrives or not. You see, that's what I'm saying. That we can create our future by the thoughts that we think today. What thoughts will you think today? He said, and when this kind of um, uh, clear seeing has arisen in one, that they have appreciation for themselves and they have appreciation for others. Mutual, not more appreciation for you than I have for myself, not more appreciation for myself than I have for you. He said, that's equanimity. You can't have equanimity without having mutual appreciation. You can't have that kind of appreciation without compassion for oneself and for others. You can't have that kind of compassion without fostering, cultivating, developing goodwill continually. So he said there is the case where one develops mindfulness as a factor of awakening but accompanied by dependent upon, resulting in these things, accompanied by empathetic joy based on compassion, based 
on goodwill. A factor for awakening dependent on seclusion. Seclusion from what? It doesn't mean to run off to the forest and hide, but secluded from unwholesome mental states. Dependent on dispassion. Dispassion means that we can want it, but if we don't get it, I'm still okay. Dispassion. It doesn't mean, you know, where the craving is destructive is that you want it and the mind is consumed with getting it or having it that way. So much so that it destroys your peace. But dispassion can be wanting it that way, but being able to be okay if it's not. And resulting in cessation or letting go. Letting go of what? Letting go of clinging so tightly to this sense of self that has its own uh, views about everything. And he said that this is the cause of your suffering. But if you break it down and look at it this way, the truth that's in you will emerge. And there will be persistence aroused as a factor for awakening. I used to say sometimes I was so tired of being, I was so tired of being good. I tell you, and doing things for people and, you know, and they didn't appreciate it or, you know, just a lifetime of giving what I called giving myself in that way. I don't feel that way now. But I did for a while, and I said, that's it, I'm through. I said, I'm through. And I would uh, sit in church and say, I'm not going to be nice to anybody else. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything for anybody else. And then it seemed like I would just hit this bell, ding. We didn't have things like this, you know, in there. We had tamarines and washboards and this was my Pentecostal days. But somehow I would hear internally like ding. And I was up and going again. Like shit, I said I wasn't gonna do this anymore. But I would hear that bell inside. And I was up and gone again. And now I understand that that's a kind of persistence that comes when you think you can't go any further. So I'm not alone in this. Persistence as an enlightenment factor is present in me, in you. He said, rapture, that's extreme joy in the, just the goodness of things, arises as a factor 
for awakening. I am not left without help. I have the factor of joy awakened in me for my endurance. And that keeps me going again. Said calm as a factor of awakening. And sometimes the calm comes after the storm. Sometimes the calm comes and the storm doesn't come, you know. But to be able to stop, to slow yourself, to, to have a governor even. Okay, sometimes we get overcome. But here, I've got a governor. I can reel myself in. I'm not left without help. Concentration is a factor for awakening. To be able to sit still with something. When the mind wants to go off and tick off its hundred, you know, item list of what's right, what's wrong, what's whatever. To just stop, to power down. Like that Prius at the stop sign. Just, just stop. Practicing stopping. I can do that. I'm not left without help. With equanimity as a factor for awakening. A company by a self-arising joy, dependent on willingly separating myself from unwholesome mental states, not insisting on my own way, especially when it's already turned out <laughs> that it's not <laughs> the way I want it, you know? I, we just got some bad news, um, yeah, and we have to we have to work with it, you know. And we may be successful in getting it resolved. We may, we may not. That's where it is. But nothing will be the failure but a try. And if we keep trying, something is gonna hit. Something will work. It may not even be as bad of a situation as we think. We have to investigate it some more. We have to make a few inquiries. And so that was the Buddha's answer to his disciples. And he said, if you're my disciple, you would know how to answer that question. It's with this kind of focus. When we leave the Dharma Hall and we step out there and in, when we enter the dragon that's out there, in the presence of what is loathsome 
and what is not, cutting himself off from both. He finds freedom. C complete transcending even the sphere of the infinitude of consciousness. And in case of one who penetrates not to that highest state, he will encounter the state of mind called beautiful. <laughs> So if we can just sit for the next four minutes. Just stopping. Yes, the vicissitudes of life are swirling. Some of it's not so good. Some of it is very good. And yet, if we look closely, we can see that whether the mind is negatively affected or positively affected, it is still out of its natural state. It is still agitated to one side or the other. But he invites us to Bring it to a middle way. In fact, his whole training is called the middle way. And it means learning to find that perfect balance where everything can be seen and yet nothing arises. where we can see the lovely in the unlovely and not be beguiled to be able to see the unlovely in the lovely. So he said, we have to arouse the enlightenment factor of faith. And we don't like that word, faith. But we're not talking about blind faith. We are talking about a confidence. First is a confidence in something that might work because what I'm doing is not. So to try something else. The confidence because I have tried some things and found the Dharma and the discipline to be trustworthy. Whether I live it or not, whether I walk into it in its fullness or not, find no fault in the Dharma. Where when I'm too high and self-centered and the pain of that 
it brings me down. And when I'm too low, it lifts me up. Where there's no judge and no jury for me to emulate. Where I can decide where I will put my energy. I used to have a favorite scripture that said, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I, I love that scripture, when I was young. I wasn't old yet, but now I really am old. I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And I understand that in a whole different way now. <coughs> since I have embarked upon the noble eightfold path of right view, right thought, right action, right speech, right livelihood, right meditation, right concentration. We can just keep adjusting, shaving off a little bit here and a little bit there, falling down and we get up. Until we find our freedom. May you be well and happy and peaceful. May no harm come to you, no danger. May you always be able to meet with the inevitable difficulties of life. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.